When you turn your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter number 2, we meet up with Nehemiah. We'll begin reading here in verse number 11. And so far in the story, Nehemiah is a cupbearer in Persia. He is a, uh, a prominent person. He has a big job alongside the king of Persia. And the king, I think his name was Artaxerxes. And he was, uh, he was serving there and he had uh, his family who was from Jerusalem. He was a Jewish man. His family had came through and he asked of the condition of the walls and the city of Jerusalem. And when he found out that the city of Jerusalem was uh, still after a hundred years in shambles, God begins to move and work in his heart and begins to give him a burden that maybe, just maybe, he was the man that God would use to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. He waits for four months because he needs permission from the king in order to leave. He needs aid and help from the king in order to succeed. And so he for four months waits and prays on the Lord. We come to chapter number two and he finally has the opportunity to speak to King Artaxerxes and God gives him great favor. Uh, God gives him favor. God blesses. And the king agrees to send him off on a leave of absence to take on this great mission of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. It uh, takes courage, guts, strength, faith. And as we conclude and come uh, to the middle of chapter number 2, he meets up with opposition. I I preached last Sunday night a message titled, Let Us Rise and Build. And I'll just have you know that was Let Us Rise and Build Part 1 because tonight is Let Us Rise and Build Part 2. Let Us Rise and Build Part 2. There's some interesting things in in this chapter, chapter number 2 of Nehemiah, that I think is very helpful and you'll find helpful any time in your life when you are deciding to do something for God. When you're deciding to move forward for the glory of God in our hearts and in our church, our ministry at this moment, we are thinking about building a building. But I want you to know something, the application of Nehemiah and the building, let us rise and build, it is, has a, an application that is far uh, more specific and personal than just building some building connected to a church. God, as you build for him and for the glory of God and you build your life on him and as you attempt to do more for God and for the glory of God, as you attempt to know him better, I want you to know something, when you move forward for God, there's certain things that you can expect. There are certain things that you're going to face. There are certain things that are both positive and certain things that are negative. And we need to know in advance that as we attempt things for God, God's going to be with us. But it's not always going to be easy. Let us rise and build part one. We discovered and considered these points. If you decide to do something for God, let us rise and build, you're going to have to wait on God. Nehemiah in chapter 2, in the beginning of the chapter, he waited for four months and prayed before he addressed the king and asked the king for the leave of absence. We have to wait on God. Folks, I'll tell you, waiting is hard. But waiting is right. Waiting is right. You know, if you're not sure, don't. Wait on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord is always good as we move forward for the glory of God in our spiritual lives personally and corporately. Waiting on God is necessary and good. Then we see in part one that 
He had a burden for the need. He saw there was a need and God gave him a burden. Just because you get a burden for something doesn't mean it's God's will for you to tackle that. But often, and I should say always, God's great works begin with a burden in the heart of God's people. Nehemiah was burdened for his city. He was burdened for the walls. He was burdened for the glory of God. And a burdened heart is part of rising and building. The next thing that Nehemiah needed was favor from the king. Now, this was the one that was a big hurdle to overcome. He needed the king, the king who was a Gentile, the king who was not a believer. He needed the king in order to give him, to grant him permission to leave. He needed the king to give him the right of passage through the countries. He needed the king to provide the lumber in order to rebuild the walls and the gates. And something wonderful that God does. God gave Nehemiah favor with a pagan king in order to do God's work. I'm so excited to know that as, we, as you move forward for God, God will give you favor and God will bless in ways that you never imagined. And God will use folks that you could never imagine to accomplish the work that he's given you to do. It's exciting. God gave Nehemiah favor with King Artaxerxes. And the fourth thing we saw in the first part of this message was that they faced opposition. It's fascinating to me that Artaxerxes, the Gentile pagan king, gave Nehemiah two thumbs up and blessed him and said, you can go, have at it, go for it. And he had favor. But two Jewish men who should have been all for the city of God, Jerusalem, two Jewish men, Sanballat and Tobiah, these two men opposed Nehemiah. I remember early on thinking as a pastor that surely if you want to do God's will and God's work, it won't be met with opposition. Boy, was I wrong. I remember one of the very first uh, things that I ever led our church to do, the Bowling Springs Baptist Church to do, I led the church to install sheetrock in the auditorium we had an auditorium a beautiful place and and God had blessed and used it in a big way and in the 70s paneling was the way to go and I'll tell you when you walked in there it was so dark you couldn't see anything and I really felt led of the Lord and I waited on God I I, I was patient I, I talked about things and and I tried to lead the people and really we did we had a, a wonderful uh, group of folks who were excited about let's let's cover this paneling and let's let's uh, let's sheetrock and and we'll brighten this place up let's make it look like God's doing something in the 2000s as opposed to he did something in the 70s and let's clean this place up and we should take care of God's place. And I'm not preaching against paneling, I promise you that. But I'll never forget we had the business meeting and I was nervous. And we started talk, I started talking about the project, how much the project would cost. It was, uh, as you think back on it now, it was tiddlywinks. It was just so small. But I remember talking about the project and I brought it before the church for a vote and I said, everyone in favor, and they raised their hand. I said, anyone opposed? And this one lady, she raised her hand. And I'm just going to tell you something. You might as well took a knife and jabbed me through the heart. I melted right there on the spot. I was like, <gasps> I couldn't believe it. I wasn't offended. And I'll never forget it. Right in the middle of the business meeting, I said, well, well why? <laughs> I was about 27 years old, and 
I said, well, well, why? And I learned that you don't do that. And, uh, uh, but I said, well, why? And she said, I just don't like sheetrock. I like paneling. And I thought, oh, man. And I, I had to lead the church and say, well, our motion's carried, and we're going to sheetrock the church. And, but down inside, I was like, oh, man. Uh, I had op- she doesn't want us to sheetrock. And it broke my heart. And it still breaks my heart to have opposition. But I want you to know something. Anything you ever do for the glory of God is going to have opposition. And that's okay. And we watch Nehemiah through the opposition keep pressing, keep pressing, keep pressing. He wasn't obstinate. He wasn't annoying. He wasn't unkind. He wasn't unreasonable. But he just kept trusting God and kept moving forward. Let us rise and build part two. If you look with me in verse number 11, the Bible says, So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. And I arose in the night, I and some few men with me. Neither told I any man what God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me, save the beast that I rode upon. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well and the dung port, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. Then I went on to the gate of the fountain and to the king's pool, but there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. Then went I up in the night by the brook and viewed the wall and turned back and entered by the gate of the valley and so returned. And the rulers knew not whither I went or what I did. Neither had I as yet told it to the Jews, nor to the priests, nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest that did the work. In these first few verses, verses 11 to 16, Nehemiah has finally come to Jerusalem. This is the first time he's actually seen the walls and the gates that had burdened his heart for now months. And as he comes there, he makes a, takes a tour. He takes a tour as far as his donkey will take him. And then he begins to walk, and he goes to these different spots and places through the city of Jerusalem. And he doesn't talk to people. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, poll the audience. He is seeking to know the will of God. We watch him. As he tours the work, and he makes an emphasis on he told nobody. He just looked to see what. God was doing and what God wanted to do and he got a vision for what God wanted for him to do and for God's people to do verse number 17 the Bible says then said I unto them ye see the distress that we are in how Jerusalem lieth waste and the gates thereof are burned with fire come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we be no more a reproach Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that ye do? Will you rebel against the king? Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we his servants will arise and build. But ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial 
in Jerusalem. The Bible says in verse number 17, in verse number 17, Nehemiah speaks up. He's addressing the leaders and the people of Jerusalem. He says, come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem. You see it there? Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem. In verse number 18, he's spoken to the crowd. and The folks, the people of Jerusalem have bought in. The Bible says in verse 18, and they said, let us rise up and build. Let us rise up and build. Then in verse 19, Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, the pains in the necks, they opposed the work that God has put in the heart of Nehemiah and God's people to do. And Nehemiah speaks up in verse 20 to them and says, Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we, his servants, will arise and build. Tonight's message let us rise and build. Let's consider just a few things uh, tonight. Number one, let us rise and build. It is, requires a vision from God. A vision from God. Look what Nehemiah does. Nehemiah, he gets a vision from God. I've been around folks who are ambitious for their own selves. And I want you to know something. That is not the key and the way to do the work of the Lord. The work of the Lord should re- include no human personal ambition. The work of God should be ultimately and primarily the burden of God's people to do God's will. And Nehemiah here is a man who had a, a, an earthly profession, an earthly prestige, but God had put in his heart to do a work for God. That's the most important thing that we can conclude is when we're attempting to do something for God, it needs to be for God. You know, some people try to be Christian in order to please a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Some people try to be Christian in order to satisfy the demands of a parent. Some people try to be Christian in order to accomplish something or get something for themselves. It drives me nuts to watch people who use Christian and Christian symbols to try to build their businesses. Now look, it's good to be a Christian businessman. But let me tell you something. If you advertise with Christian things in order, just to, in order just to boost your business, but you don't live for the glory of God, I want you to know that's not right. It's not good, and God doesn't like it. Now, Nehemiah, he said, I'm going to do something for God because God has put a vision for what's right and what he wants in my heart. It was for God. It was for God's glory. In verse number uh, 12 here, the Bible says, I rose in the night, I and some few men with me, neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do. And as Nehemiah in the next few verses, 13, 14, 15, and 16, he rides through uh, the, the walls of Jerusalem and the city of Jerusalem. And as he does, he's seeking to know the will of God. God, what would you have me to do? God's people need a vision from God. We need a vision for what God wants us to do with our church. But we need a vision for what God wants to do in your heart, in your home, in your life. And I wonder, in your own home and in your own Christian life, are you advancing for the glory of God? You see, that's the most important thing. If we all determine to know and do the will of God with our lives on an individual basis, the end result is God is going to bless you, your home, your family, and this church. 
And Nehemiah, it is true that he was going to go do some great work for God that required the corporate buy-in of the people in Jerusalem. But ultimately, it's Nehemiah obeying God and trusting God and doing what God had put in his heart to do. When's the last time that you asked God to show you his will for your life? Nehemiah sought and received a vision for God. We all need a vision for God. We all need a vision for what God would have us to do in our lives and with our lives and through our lives. Put God first, a vision from God. Nehemiah had a vision from God. He wanted to know, he wanted to confirm what God had put in his heart. Let us rise up and build. It requires a vision from God. Number two, rising up and building requires a request for help. Now look what happens next. In verse 17, for so long, Nehemiah had kept this private and quiet. And now, Nehemiah, in verse 17, the Bible says, Then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in. How Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. Look what Nehemiah does. Nehemiah takes a vision that God had put in his heart, and then he takes it to God's people, and he asks God's people to get involved and help. Now, on a corporate level and with a church and a church doing things, it's so exciting to see how the Lord's blessed our church through the years. It's not the product as some people would say, of some heavy hitter. It's the product of faithful people just doing what God put in their hearts to do. Hallelujah. Praise God for it. But a vision for God and from God then requires help from others. Let me tell you something. If you want to be near the Lord, you're going to have to have help. If I want to be near the Lord, guess what? I'm going to have to have help. It's the old adage, the old illustration of the body of Christ. It's like a coal in a fire. You see, God's people, when we're together, we thrive off each other. We make a body. We make a complete thing that's able to do and reproduce and see God do great things. We need help. Now, Nehemiah, he went to Jerusalem with the king's blessing. He went to Jerusalem with loads of lumber. He went to Jerusalem with a, a group of soldiers and servants from King Artaxerxes. But when he got to Jerusalem, Nehemiah knew something. In order to do what God had put in his heart, he was going to have to have help. You know what's exciting? It's so exciting that we get to help in the work of God. God gives us unique abilities and resources in order that we can help with the work of God. And Nehemiah comes, and this is what Nehemiah does. I love to watch this because Nehemiah, he's had this vision of what God wants to do and wants to use him to do. And the Bible says in verse 70, I said unto them, ye see the distress that we are in. I've highlighted the word we. Now, it's so wonderful. You know that as far as we know, Nehemiah, uh, may have never been to Jerusalem before. If he had been to Jerusalem before, it was a long time ago. But Nehemiah, he was speaking to a group of people that he really didn't know, but God had put in his heart to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and do this great work for God. And when he comes to it, he doesn't come to it and say, y'all have really failed. 
And I'm here to save the day. No, he comes into this situation with the right spirit. He says, let me tell you something. We are in distress. I love the fact that Nehemiah becomes part of the body. He says, we are in distress. He says, you see the stress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. He says, come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem. What's he doing? He requests help. He says, we, I need help. We've got to work together. We've got a problem. We've got something that needs to be accomplished. We've got something that needs to be solved. Let's do this together. And here's what he says is his motivation. Look at the, uh, this next phrase in verse number 17. He says, come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem. Why? That we be no more a reproach. What was Nehemiah interested in? Nehemiah said, I know that if we'll do this great work for God, and his glory. We will no longer be a reproach. What did he know? Nehemiah knew something. He says, if we'll do and accomplish a work that God has put in our heart together for the glory of God, he says, I want you to know something. It will prove to be something that brings glory and honor to God. God's going to be glorified. He says, I want God to be glorified by the condition of this city, by the condition of this great land, by the condition of his work. Oh, it's so exciting. His motivation was not personal. His motivation was the glory of God. And he asked for help and he sought help. He need, I need help. We need to work together. I need you to help me. Verse 18, he says, Then I told them of the hand of my God which was good upon me. He says, God's been working. I can imagine he told them about King Artaxerxes and how God had answered that prayer. And I'm sure he told them of successes along the way, how God had blessed. He said, the good hand of God has been upon me. He says, also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. He's, and the Bible says, and they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. Guess what happened? Nehemiah said, God's put this in my heart. And we've got a work to do. And God caused the people of God to rise around the leader. God calls the people of God to catch the vision of what needed to be done. And God is going to use this group of people, this great group of people, to accomplish a great work for the glory of God. They said, let us rise up and build. And the Bible says, the last phrase, verse number 18, the Bible says, so they strengthened their hands for this good work. What did they say? You know what? We're going to roll up our sleeves and we're going to do what's necessary to accomplish what God has given us to do. I love that spirit that says we're going to pioneer for the glory of God. I love that spirit that says we're going to move forward. I love that spirit that says, says we'll work, we'll serve, we'll do what God has given us to do. It's exciting. When God calls a group of people to do work, he enables those people to accomplish that work. And it's so exciting. Something that you'll be tempted to do when you attempt something for God, you're going to get aggravated about the things that you aren't able to do or provide. Let me tell you something. If God hasn't provided you with that, he doesn't expect you to give it. If God has not provided you with something else, he does not expect you to give it. You don't worry about what you can't do. You consider what you can do and obey God, and God is going to use you for his glory. He'll help you. And in anything you attempt for God. You remember something. You get help. And God will bless. And God will provide it. And the group of people rose up and said. Hey. I hear it. 
for God's glory. Let's do something for God's glory. And the Bible says, they said unto him, let us rise up and build. When you rise and build, you need a vision from God. Number two, you need a request for help. Number three, you'll have to have faith in God. Look at the scripture says in verse 19. But when Sanballat, here they are again. But when Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem, the Arabian, heard it, they laughed us to scorn. Have you ever had in your heart to do something and you got laughed at for it? Have you ever had it in your heart to attempt something and you got laughed at and scorned by it and for it? Let me tell you something. You attempt things for the glory of God and the devil makes sure he sends opposition along. I want to encourage you, if God's put in your heart to serve him and live for him, to raise your family in church, you let the whole world laugh and you obey God. I also will remind you, if you want to do what's right for the glory of God, you will face opposition. Don't let the opposition rob you of what God wants to do. Ruth's been singing this song and it's been such an encouragement. Don't let the battle steal your praise. God's been so good to you. And I want to encourage and remind you that, look, when you do anything for God, you're going to face opposition. Somebody's going to raise their hand and say, I don't like sheetrock. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that the first time you face a little bit of opposition, that God's against it. You need faith in God. Look how Nehemiah deals with this issue they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? That they, they accused them of being insurrectionists and just foolish, wrongful accusations. They're rotten. And Nehemiah, what's he do? Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we his servants will arise and build. They said, you know what? Nehemiah said, look, we're just going to trust in God. We're going to trust in God. Now, Nehemiah doesn't get nasty. He doesn't try to uh, argue with them. Apples for apples. Tit for tat. He doesn't try to give them back. He doesn't argue and fuss and stoop to their level. The Bible just simply says, he says, look, God... He'll prosper us. We're going to trust God. We're going to believe God. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build. The last phrase, verse 20, he says this, But ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. He says, let me tell you something. You are rebelling against God. You have no right, no portion, no memorial in Jerusalem. You may be a Jew by nationality. You may be one a member of a tribe of the nation of Israel, but you have no right. You are no you have no portion. He says you have rejected the God of the Bible. Nehemiah says we're going to trust the Lord. Let me tell you something. Rising and building, it requires faith in God. You know what we should be doing in our Christian life? We should always be advancing we should always be advancing pastor sexton said that for years and years christians should always be advancing 
And in our hearts and lives, we should always be moving toward the Lord. We should always have a burden to rise and build. I'm not talking about bricks and mortar, though at times it is bricks and mortar. We should always, with all of our hearts, yearn to rise and build. Lead lives that please the Lord. And as we do, it's not always going to be easy. But it's always going to be right. And God is going to prove himself faithful. Have faith in God. Let's pray.